This is Tim Mason. And I'm Mark Blood. And welcome to episode three of Blood, Sweat, and Tim. You've never worked harder in your life. You've invested a lot of time, talent, and more than likely treasure your blood, sweat, and tears into growing your business. Live from Crystal Pick Studios in Fairport, New York, it's another episode of Blood, Sweat, and Tim with your hosts, Mark Blood and Tim Mason. An informative, engaging, we hope you find entertaining podcast that offers you, the business owner, partner, senior level manager, serial entrepreneur, or just the new kid on the block, interesting information and perspectives on a host of timely topics from finance, HR, marketing, and healthcare to starting up and winding down, all to help you better manage and hopefully grow your business. Are you ready? BST on three. BST. All right, I'm excited to introduce our, our guest today. Um, you know, I often tell uh, people in the marketing business, some of my clients, that uh, I think this internet thing's going to catch on. Mark, what do you think? <laughs> Tim, you're a man before your time. You, you've uh, you've seen the future. I know Al Gore. <laughs> he was the inventor of the internet. Yeah, he was the inventor of the internet. But uh, this internet thing is definitely going to catch on. And our guest today is going to be uh, shed a little light on the opportunities that small businesses can use with digital marketing and that little thing that's in everybody's pocket uh, uh, and uh, available 24/7, 365. Uh, going back to my roots with the Small Business Council. Our most popular boot camp every year by far was the digital marketing boot camp. And uh, Carl Heberger, our guest today, who's the chief strategy officer and partner at Mason Digital, has been instrumental in giving those seminars and, and boot camps. And Carl joined Mason Digital in 2012, and he's the chief strategy officer and partner. Uh, before Mason Digital, he worked at two local marketing agencies, which will remain nameless, and uh, the Democrat and Chronicle, really at the advent of their digital push. Carl's responsible for digital advertising and marketing and has years of experience with, you know, SEM and SEO and all those other acronyms that get difficult to follow. But uh, you, you think accountants are bad with the acronyms. You guys are are becoming just as bad. That's true. That's we have true. a lot of TLAs. Yeah, that, I, I don't even know what that Three-letter acronyms. Oh, okay. So, um, But the important uh, one is KPIs, and Carl's probably right. going to talk about that. I've, I've, I myself have had... Um, professional interactions with Carl, and uh, he has uh, really broadened my knowledge of the digital marketing space, even as it relates to uh, professional services. A lot of my questions have been how we as uh, an accounting firm and a professional services firm uh, use social media, use uh, search engine optimization, I won't use your acronyms, to be able to uh, grow our business and to grow our presence and to to grow our footprint. Uh, and Carl has spent a fair amount of time educating me uh, in ways that uh, that he probably has been frustrated by at times. You'd be surprised. Uh, I have a lot of conversations about digital marketing with people, and uh, if you have to explain what the internet is first, it gets very difficult. So you pick up on these things very quickly. <laughs> so I, Carl, I, I hope I do. You're, you've been good. Carl, I know uh, Mason Digital's tagline is marketing technology. Right. Now, what exactly does that mean? So marketing first is what that means. And when you think about digital marketing, a lot of people have this thought of web guys who are building websites and coding, and they're the tech guys. They're the guys who can sit down on the computer and make it do whatever you want it to do. We're people who love the technology, embrace it, 
but we have a marketing bent first. How do we get the right message to the right people to help our clients grow their business? That's the piece of digital marketing that I think is often left out when there's so much emphasis on the word digital. So it's not just about having a good website? Well, what, what is a good website? And that's one of the things that we've been educating our clients about that's so subjective to say, I have, we like our website. Well, what does it accomplish for you? You know, in today's day and age, you talked about it, Mark, SEO and how do you grow your business? Every business needs a great website because it's a 24-7 sales and marketing tool for your business. If you're not using it to generate new business, you don't have a good website. But is it the pictures that make a good website? It is. Or... It's exactly the pictures. That's yeah. correct. And it's so so we've become this uh, very graphical uh, no, interface type society. It's not the pictures. It's... It's connecting the right message to the audience as they get there so that they take a specific action. And, you know, Tim, you've been building websites with your company for many, many years. And I think there was a time when you just wanted to have a website people would go to and read. It'd be like a brochure. Here's what we do. Here's some of the cool products we have. You go there and read it. There's no call to action there. You know, you maybe you hope they pick up the phone and call you. But today we're building websites that are driving specific actions. But is, is the website about what it looks like on your laptop or is it about what it looks like on your phone or yeah, is I mean, it about, you know, which, which device is important? It's a, it's a great question. When we do website redesigns for clients, the first thing we do is dig into their current site's analytics to understand how people are using their site. And we find that for some B2B companies, professional services, the vast majority of people are coming on desktop devices. Okay, so for- I had a meeting the other day, 85% of the traffic was desktop, and yet all you hear is that it's gotta be mobile, it's gotta be responsive. For a client like that, we want it to be a great experience on desktop first. So for the un uneducated like me, mm -hmm. you use the word uh, data analytics, and, mm -hmm. and that's meaningful to you. What's that mean to uh, the guy who's in my position, who's a partner in a public accounting firm, and you come in and you tell me about data analytics. What's that mean to me? It means we take assumptions out of the equation. One of the things that has always frustrated me being in marketing meetings is you're pretty much at the whim of the opinion of the hippo, right? The, the hippo. Hi the highest paid person. So... That's the person who's going to say, here's... That would be you and me, Mark. Here, Another acronym. I'm sorry. Here's what we're going to do, you know? And that, that person's opinion is what's going to rule the roost. With data analytics, we're now making informed decisions. Just like I talked about as an example, if we have a client that comes in and most of their traffic is coming in on smartphones, that's the first thing we're going to focus on. I want this to be a great experience for someone who's on a smartphone, is looking at it on a vertical screen, can find what they're looking for, taking the actions we want them to take. The data analytics helps inform whether we're doing that or not. There's a little bit of an aha experience with these yeah. data analytics, right? I mean, I know uh, having been in meetings with you, Carl, that you've presented data like that. Mm -hmm. It's crazy how it opens people's eyes and said, geez, you mean changing the color from red to green or blue to yellow or having a headline there or, geez, I love that blog post I wrote. No one's read it. Right, exactly. But, but when you're when you're saying that, what, what would be an example of a, of a of a piece of data that you would look at, something that mm -hmm. the somebody who's simple like me can really understand. What's a piece of data that would be meaningful? Yeah, so there's a, a lot of different answers to this. I'll give you an example from a meeting I just had recently with an international B2B client. They have uh, a number of customers in California and some in Texas and in New York. And we pulled out a geo report that looked at the traffic coming to their site from these different states. 
And they said, oh, wow, that's interesting. So uh, really our customers in California are from the Bay Area. You know, where are these people? So then we drilled in and we saw that nobody from the Bay Area is going to their site. It's all LA. So and, when, when you say geo, you're talking about geography. Yes. You're actually pinpointing where the website hits are coming from. Yes. So you know that down to where's their audience? A specific neighborhood that somebody's in when they're accessing that website. That might be a little too granular to, to mean anything, but I do want to know what market they're in. And if we're dealing with a local company, then it gets down to maybe town level and things like so that. So you'd, you'd be able to actually have visibility to the demographics of that market and the demographics of that area to be able to say, mm -hmm. this is an affluent area or this is a less affluent area and know what the income is per rooftop in those types of, uh, of analytics. Definitely. So you could obviously overlay that with census data and get that type of information. But there's also information available from your website analytics because it's tracking how people use the internet, making assumptions about them on a demographic and psychographic level. And you could pull that data out as well. In fact, LinkedIn just announced something. I don't know, this will be dated by the time anyone hears it, but LinkedIn just announced you can place some code on your website and they'll track for you the people who come to your site and then give you a report that says, what's their job title? What size company do they work at? All of these different things that LinkedIn knows about people. And wow, that can really open people's eyes because we make a lot of assumptions. Yeah, I think it's C-suite who's coming into our website. And then we find out, no, it's actually the more junior level people who the C-suite's telling to do the research and find out who's out there. So now we have to speak a little bit differently with how we present the website and the information. Carl, I want to take a step back a second. Right? Sure. Because hopefully the people who are listening to this maybe aren't as, as uh, knowledgeable as you or myself. We don't have or, these conversations you know, every day. You don't just go out to lunch <laughs> and just you know start talking about Fair this. enough. But, but really, what... What approach do you take with a new client? So a client comes in and they've heard about social media marketing or they've heard about Google AdWords and they say, I need to do that program. Right. I would only guess that you don't say, yeah, let's go do that, right? I mean, so what kind of information do you try and learn about that person's business right. or that company to be able to help them along and really guide them in the right direction? Well, it's a, it's a good question because you need to understand what the objectives are before you can possibly determine I mean, what that's marketing, right? the right strategy would be, of course. And yet, for some reason, I get it all the time. We need a social media presence. Why? Why do you need it? Maybe you do. I don't know. What's for the, the seven people who actually are right. on Facebook, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a few people. But uh, yeah, you want to know what the objective is first. And one of the things about digital marketing that I think needs to change is the fact that just because ones and zeros are involved, we lump it all under the same thing. Because if you're looking at, you mentioned social media, social media couldn't be more different than paid search engine advertising. And that couldn't be more different than- I mean, one's direct response and one's kind of dictated by the sure. people going to their newsfeed. Exactly, so, so to blanket and say, we need digital marketing. Well, it depends on your objective. And then what digital marketing you need depends on what you're trying to achieve. And isn't it different like even said. between B2C and B2B? Sure. I mean, the, the way that you're going to reach people in a B2B environment, it might be, in some cases, a little simpler. We know exactly what types of industry pubs these people are looking at. We can find them on LinkedIn, uh, whereas the B2C is probably a much bigger span of behaviors and the way they're using the web and, and devices. Is the trade journals, though, I mean, I know they're not very well read anymore, you know, because people are probably, I, I saw a survey recently that said they're four or five months behind on reading their trade journals that actually show up in the mail, wow. right? But there's a lot of traffic to the websites. I mean, are you able to use 
the same time as you know digital strategies on their websites. So the trade journals are still relevant, but just in a different medium. It's actually transforming right now. What the trade journals are realizing is that because they don't have that revenue from print ads, print ads are pricey. You made a lot of money from that. Try to transition that. Now, I worked at the local newspaper when they were transitioning from newsprint to the web. And you're talking about a small percentage of your revenue when that happens. So these guys are scrambling and trying to figure out how do we make up for that lost revenue. And what they're doing is they're becoming content houses on behalf of advertisers. So rather than just run an ad, oh, we were going to run a quarter page ad in the print publication. Instead, we'll run some banners on your website. Even more effective is to partner with them and have them write about your company, your products, your industry, where you fit in, your niche there, because that's going to get much more readership, much more engagement from the target audience. It's going and to it provides a, a real thought leadership opportunity, right? If it's if it's uh, written, ghost written by a trade publication. And, and this stuff isn't new. The advertorial has been around, but what's happening is that they're being a little bit sneakier about it. And you might not know, you might read information that's very much dictated by an advertiser who wants you to think something specifically. Actually, this happens all the time. And you don't even know. You just think you're reading content that's coming from this publication. So so you guys are, you, you guys kind of sound like rocket scientists right here. And you have this. I get um, confused with rocket scientists quite often. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but you have this depth of knowledge that. I think a lot of people that sit in my chair or the equivalent chair in small businesses can't wrap their arms around it. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I think about as kind of a, uh, a stingy accountant who counts numbers is I hear all the concepts that you're talking about and they sound very sophisticated and they sound like they're going to be very expensive for me. Mm. They sound like it's going to be a lot of effort. And I think that could be a misnomer based on some of the, our past conversations that while it sounds sophisticated and it sounds complicated, the, um, the methodologies to be able to apply some of these um, analytics um, work that you guys do is really not that difficult. And, you know, I guess maybe you can expand on that a little bit to, sure. to, to deliver it to a guy like me who's such a neophyte as it relates to digital marketing. It's, it's not as painful as it might sound, but it is highly specialized. And one of the things that I learned, especially working at a newspaper, I mean, this is this old school media as you get, is the people who are on, in the middle of it, of this new digital, digital revolution, it can be overwhelming, it can be a lot. And I think what companies are doing as a result is they're mostly outsourcing this type of work because it can be expensive to bring that type of expertise and that specialty in-house. Now it's going to continue to get cheaper. But and I, would, I wouldn't even people. know where to start. If, if, you, yeah. if you looked at me and said, Mark, who would you go out and hire to be an employee that right. would be able to do this? I wouldn't even know. Right. Who, who you would call me, go. Mark. That's true. That's what I would, which is, which is basically, that's where, that's, you know, you provide solutions to companies like ours. But I want to I make a point on, on what you asked about. So because it is complicated in a lot of ways, and it can be very confusing for a novice who doesn't get into digital marketing, there are a lot of companies that will take advantage of that. And so the pricing of digital marketing services is all over the map, and you do get what you pay for. So there are companies that will come in and take advantage of people being naive and sell you something like, wow, that's very affordable. Great, let's go do it. And they're not doing it the right way. So people pick a price point, 
and they think they're going to get something out of that price point only to realize that it they got nothing out of it because it wasn't done the right way it's kind of like you know going out and buying the set of golf clubs that's not fit to you that while they look like shiny mm-hmm. new golf clubs right. you realize you can't play the game with them but carl and, correct me if i'm wrong you know at the end of the day we you know whether it be mason marketing or your company mason digital it's not about price mm-hmm. this is about right. the relationship this is about brain cells and people on your team working hard to analyze the data and continue to I'll use the word optimize, right, which is a kind of a key digital marketing word, sure. optimize the campaigns for success. At the end of the day, those CPMs can go down, cost per thousands. We can find a more efficient means, mm-hmm. and the success factor goes way up than some of the traditional tools that people have been using forever. I think one of the things that's attractive about digital marketing is that you can come in at a lower price point and test things and see if they work in traditional media and advertising, if you don't spend to get a certain number of grips, you know, gross rating points on radio or TV, you're throwing your money away. But in order to spend enough that you're not throwing your money away, you're putting a big risk out there in a gamble. Because if your creative's not hitting with the right audience and it's not making a difference, that money's gone. But it opens up a whole new opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. So if on Mason Marketing is producing for a client a television commercial, yes. it doesn't end there now. They can take that commercial, they can take that footage, they can take the messaging and put it into a digital format and take it even further and make it much more engaging with uh, the um, skills and, and uh, technologies that you could offer. Yeah, and we just had, a, I just had a meeting this morning with a client where we were looking at taking their TV spots, putting them on YouTube, putting them on Facebook, and what we found was those spots didn't perform as well as videos that they had created just for the web. So you're talking about, all right, thinking about how people are going to consume this and actually creating different types of content based on that experience. So it does become not just a, okay, we have a TV spot, let's put it on YouTube and let's put it on. You have to think about it holistically and understand how are we going to connect with the audiences based on how they're using the technology. So so for, for old guys like Tim and I, we remember the late night infomercials with... Uh, with Ron Popeil, the set it and forget it mm-hmm. uh, type scenario. Is that the Basomatic? Uh, no, that was, well, that, was that was Saturday Night Live. We're, we're <laughs> both old enough to re- actually remember that. Carl's not. Um, but the this is not a set it and forget it type of strategy. This is an active strategy where it sounds like you're continually peering under the hood, so to speak, to find out what's working and what's not working. And it's like you're, I have this vision that you have your hand on the dial and you're constantly adjusting it to get an outcome. Right, that's my favorite part about it, is getting that feedback right away to understand, okay, we had this strategy, this seems to make a lot of sense based on the research that we did, and now rubber hits the road, is this going to work? And we could see it, we could see it happen very quickly, and we can make adjustments on the fly, and get better and better results based on the adjustments that we're making. You even have the ability now, I saw thermal imaging on the homepage of a website to figure mm-hmm. out where people are moving their mouse and clicking to be able yeah. to help you make certain decisions. Yeah, we just we just had a meeting where we had a whole section of the homepage that nobody was paying attention to. They needed it there, but okay, let's push that to the bottom. Let's bring the content, that, the things we want people to do, let's bring that up closer above the fold so that it's getting noticed and getting more action. So, so you're literally seeing where their mouse is hovering on the page. Where their mouse is hovering, where they're clicking. And and you can see, like, for instance, how long they're hovering in a Mm -hmm. particular spot. We've actually, the technology that we have can record sessions at a time. So we can watch someone 
after the fact how they used your website. And they click over and then, and then they click the back button and then they're scrolling through. And it's like, oh man, this is not laid out well. They're not finding what they're looking for. So, so that kind of takes me to a, another topic. And I, I tell this to people who work for me all the time that our job is to make our experience with our client as frictionless as possible, where the client has that easy ability to talk to us and we find that easy ability to talk to them or exchange data with them. And kind of what you're describing is, is how you tune your client's experience on the web and you tune your client's experience in the digital world to be as frictionless as possible. Right. Is that the really the right way to think about it? Correct. That's a great way to think about it. There is a whole industry that's blowing up within digital marketing that's called UX, user experience. And there are people who do nothing but study user experience and want to make it as easy an experience for people as possible because that is going to drive whatever those actions are that you want from your website uh, infinitely more than if they get to your site and can't find what they're looking for. It's, it's, so, it's so key. So it's, it's kind of studying the analytics of, of how the human behaves interacting with your website and interacting with the, the experience you want them to have with you. It's something that we've tried to do with focus groups for years and years. What, what, how are people reacting to what we're putting out there? And now we can see it in real time without hiring a focus group, without people even being, knowing that their answers are getting written down, which I think changes what people say sometimes. So it's, it's great. So, so if, you had, if, if you had to, and, and I think Tim, Tim would have opinions on this as well, but if, if you had to deliver a message to a guy who sits in my chair, um, a professional services firm, um, you know, that em employs people in the Rochester area, we're, we're growing quickly, we have lots of opportunities. What, what would be the, the key things that you would say to them in, in kind of closing of what they should be thinking about as they think about digital media strategies? It all starts with your website. And it can be overwhelming to think about all the opportunities that are out there for you. Make sure that your website is as good a user experience and is performing as well as possible. And then you can start to explore how do we connect with people and get more people coming to our website. But, you know, I said it earlier, I'll say it again, it's so important. Your website should be a 24-7 sales and marketing engine for your firm. It should literally replace people. You should have fewer salespeople if your website's doing the job that it can be doing for you. Carol, it also seems like every time you have a meeting with a, a, a Mason Digital client, they walk out of that meeting asking for more, mm -hmm. right? Because for the first time ever, they actually have analytics and results that they can go back to their CEO and say, we spent this and got this. Right. We spent this and got 17 more leads. We spent this and got all these conversions and other metrics, right? So... How important is that for the future of digital marketing? And really, isn't this just going to keep the ball rolling down you know, the, the hill and steamrolling this whole concept of digital and how it can help businesses? Well, this is where things are getting scary because it's connecting the online and offline worlds. Right now, we're running, working with a client that owns 1,100 stores. We can track if somebody engages with our ad and then physically goes into a store. And the reason why we can do that is because Google has apps in everyone's pockets that's following you around. 
they literally cover 70% of the population can track whether someone, and they have it down to a point where if you drove by, it doesn't count. You have to stop and spend time in that store and it will track it as somebody was a store visit. So you think about that type of data and it's amazing because I've been in meetings for years where we showed them all the results, the analytics, they always want more. That's great. That's great that they became a lead, but did they, they become a customer after that? Like, I don't know. You know, that's where we lose sight. On the of traditional it. marketing side, I don't know what it is, Carl, but nobody ever wants to spend more. Right. On your side, it seems it's, to... It's anecdotal at yeah. best. And, you know, sometimes we'll run for a client, they run in the Super Bowl every year. And internally, they get a bunch of attaboys. Oh my gosh, that spot in the Super Bowl is amazing. And then they want to spend more. But if you don't get that internal attaboy, and who knows if it's really doing anything, but if you don't get that, then, yeah, why would you spend more there? You want to see results. So, so our conversation so is this, that. Is this, the, is this the end of saying that uh, I'm wasting half of my advertising budget? Now you know, I just now don't you, know which half. Exactly right. Ogilvy said, you know, 50% of my advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. And now we're able to measure that. And Carl's used that line before in presentations. It's unbelievable the opportunities this offers. And really, as a, as a leader of a company and Carl presents to a lot of marketing managers, director of marketings, who who literally take his presentations and sell it up because the data we get out of this stuff is amazing. Yeah, I, I try not to have my opinion be a part of anything. It's it's all based on the data, the facts, the research. Don't listen to me. I'm just I'm just the one giving you the information. So we've been kind of all over the place with this conversation, which is, you know, exactly like digital marketing. Sure. Uh, I don't think there's any question mark we're going to have to have. But I think that's our objective. Oh, yeah. But we we need to, we got to have Carl back because, uh, you know, all the things we talked about today, I think Carl will probably change tomorrow, right? Of course. I mean, Google's going to change some algorithm that uh, we need to stay up on. But um, Carl, if people want to get a hold of you or your company, how do they do that? Yeah, masondigital.com. Uh, you can reach me, Carl, with a K, so K-A-R-L, at masondigital.com. And uh, we would love to hear about what your objectives are and see if we can help you. Very good. Well, thanks, Carl, for being here. And uh, Thanks for having me, guys. That's great, Carl. You're, you. you're a great guest. All and right. a rock star. Literally a rock star because he also has a band. I do. Theisotopes.com. Do you want to sell that, we, too? We play surf music, and, and we'll do corporate gigs. They pay well. We'll do it. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, buddy. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. From Mark Blood and Tim Mason, thanks for listening to this edition of Blood, Sweat, and Tim. We hope you'll keep putting your blood, sweat, and tears into your business and that you'll join us for our next BST podcast.